0: to the world-famous Scott Hick Podcast. I am your host, Chris Pennant, aka Jake Stanley, aka Jumping Spider, the worldwide web slinger, and one half of the most dangerous podcast in the WNBA landscape. Welp- welcoming in a special guest today for our man, James Kay, who is on Mars at the moment. He is tracking down the Perseverance rover, so we wish him good luck and I want to bring in friend of the podcast. and. Always available to guest hosts when, whenever possible, Kristen Braswell. You know him as 808s and Snack Breaks on Twitter. One half of the also world-famous Madhouse on Madison podcast contributed Junior All-Star Girls Basketball, and honorary pod member of the Hoopstresses podcast. And Texas native, no, nah, I'm just messing with you.
1: Oh, no, no, no. you got going to scratch that. We came in our Chicago folks here. No, nah, man, was- see,
0: you... you- <laughs> I'm jealous because you retrieved the dream of pretty much every Chicagoan to be able to fly south for the winter and, and hang there. So I gotta I gotta give you some on the on the get back. You're a Texas native today. Listen, man, I,
1: I don't think uh Skyfans are gonna like it that I will put out wings part, uh, content this year either. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: for real, man, good to have you on the show. How have things been? Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Um,
1: you know, before you even get started, just hope James is, you know, doing better um first and foremost. Um, you know love the guy and you know all the work he's put in but um you know it's, everything's been great you know i can't really complain when the you know, weather is you know 70 or 80 degrees and you know the sun is shining it feels great
0: <laughs> see here this see here you go that's what i'm saying like, <laughs> this man he knows what the weather's been like up here and he knows that midwesterners and chicagoans when the winter hits it's like this is the first conversation topic you know man it's real cold outside man it's real blustery outside man did you catch that snow yesterday i'm tired of it i'm tired of it bro i'm done i'm done with this weather Wait, it's still snowed? it snowed last night wow oh my god it's, it's almost april <laughs> i know it's just absolute trash but we are going through our free agency off-season grades ladder you just caught our last episode we started things off with Atlanta and Connecticut, kind of differing grades there. One team on the rise, one team uh, on the downslope, and it's similar things here today, I think. But first and foremost, before we get into that, as always, if you have anything to say, anything to ask, anything to roast, hit us at the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com. Again, that's the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com, and you can also follow us on Twitter at the Skyhook Pod james's handle is james underscore m underscore k and that's k-a-y and i am on twitter at quandary kitten that's k-w-a-n-d-a-r-y kitten and our guest host for today is at snacks the number four tweets on twitter all right kristen man our third team that we're going over in free agency is the dallas wings uh they made some noise over the past couple of years that looked like they had a good foundation first uh, bowing out to the sky in 2021 uh, under the leadership of Vicky Johnson, but it seemed like the Wings were on the right track. And then it's really been a tale of will their, will their potential come to fruition? And the Wings made some interesting moves in free agency last year. Uh, they let go of Alicia Gray and that trade to Atlanta, where they did get back a couple of future firsts, uh, specifically the number three pick for this year's draft, and Tyasha Harris went to Connecticut as part of that gigantic John Cuell Jones trade. Uh, they picked up Crystal Dangerfield in that trade, along with Diamond DeShields. Uh, Crystal Dangerfield signed a two-year deal for $160,000 per year, and then Tierra McCowan signed a long-term contract, and they exercised an option on Awat Kweir and signed uh, Kitty Alaksha you uh, league star and former player for the South Florida bulls. So with all that in mind and considering as well, the context of the teams that got better, the teams that got worse and the fact in previous off seasons that they have kind of committed to a Rika, and Tierra McCowan, and they let Marina Mabry walk in the trade to Chicago as well. How would you grade the Dallas wings off season?
1: A C minus, honestly, with the potential to be a B-minus. When you look at the Dallas Wings offseason face value, you look at the fact that they lost Alicia uh, Gray, and you automatically think, okay, how are they going to survive? Because she was literally their only capable wing player and their only really willing defender. Yeah. At From one to three, she was doing it all. Wherever you needed her to be. So I understand why the frustration would be once you just see her leave. But you look at what they gained back, the draft picks, also just the fact that they have Diamond to Shields and Crystal Dangerfield on this team. I think that minimizes the blow just a little bit. And also just experience as well. Um Crystal Dangerfield has that in the three years that she's been in the league. Um so I don't think their offseason was that bad. And also you can't really forget the fact that Natasha Howard is on this team as well. Um, I feel like Dallas's main problem over the last couple of years has been we know they have the talent, they just it just never comes into fruition of them actually building upon it. Now, um, Satu has been kind of in and out of the lineup right. due to injury over the last couple of seasons, and I do think that Natasha Howard is a better fit next to Enrique than any other player on this roster when it comes to bigs. So, yeah, I just I I, I think that Dallas it won't have the dreadful season that everybody thought they did.
0: No, and I was I was upset last year because people had them ranked as low as 11. I remember seeing that very specifically. And I was like, no, nah, this team is going to make the playoffs. There's going to be a solid team. And they ended up doing that. So one, I felt proud because I got a prediction right. And two, I thought that that talent was there. I just, letting go Vicky Johnson was a weird move to me. And we haven't really seen what Latricia Trammell can do as a head coach. Now, we, she has pedigree, obviously. She coached in the college ranks. She coached with Seattle. Um, what I think it's going to really depend on, like you said, since they lost their only willing defender with Alicia Gray and Natasha Howard is not the defensive player of the year that she was three years ago, how are they going to stop folks? you got Veronica Burton. you got a diamond in the rough that can, still be, that can still be polished and sharpened, and we know that she's a solid defender from her time at Northwestern but you're going to have to get everybody else to buy in and at some point you're going to have to get Enrique to at least be willing to play some defense and be slightly less ball dominant which i don't know if you can do at this point i don't i think that's the main key for Dallas success, Dallas's success bringing in Crystal Dangerfield who was another good defender but still a small guard in a time where i think guards are getting a, a slightly bigger than trending more towards that five nine five ten range and can she be a ball a good distributor that's really what's kind of kept her on the move diamond to shields who i absolutely love you want to see what you're going to get from her in the full season hopefully away from the circus that phoenix was and they've got some interesting acquisitions i particularly kitty kittia laksa like i said she played in south florida um, was signed by Phoenix in 2020 in the first round, but never played a game for the Mercury after signing a multi-year deal, and has plied her trade uh, overseas for the last few years. Now, what was her calling card in college was her three-point shooting, and that is that seems to have improved. She hit 301 threes in three full seasons at South Florida. And she has been playing really well in EuroLeague play this year. Had a few 20-plus-point games. Had 29 against Fenerbahce. She's a really, really good team. I think hit five of 11 threes in that game. The problem I see with that is that you have a player who could really fill that Marina Mabry hole, but we don't know if Latricia Trammell is going to be able to run a motion offense, which would most benefit her skill set. She's not a rim protector. She's not a, She's not, from what I can see, a post-defender. Her calling card is being able to drive if once the defense starts closing out on her three point shooting and being able to get through screens and be a solid catch and shooter from the arc. I think that's somebody who could work if Dallas runs that right type of offense and it's going to be the same. I think if they can get up and down the floor and be able to distribute the ball that way, then they'll be able to get back to the playoffs and make some more noise in the playoffs. But it's hard. I think, I honestly think they went the wrong way with, with signing Enrique to the long-term deal instead of Marina Mabry. And now that's who you have to go forth with. So I gave him the same grade a C C minus. The Tierra McCowan move is a, a gamble to me as well, but they can still do something with it. It's just time will tell, time will tell. And you know, another thing, man, what are we, are we ever going to see Charlie Collier? Are we ever going to see Charlie Collier play significant minutes for this team? What do you think? I don't think that will ever happen.
1: And the fact that that she one can't get minutes considering uh, Jeremy Cowell is only true center on this roster. Even last year, that was a problem for me. And I hope she blossomed somewhere else because Dallas obviously is probably going to be the place for her to, you know, Quote, unquote," develop because there really is no real time to develop in the W. Either you're ready or you're not, and then you go overseas, and that's kind of where you develop more and that's more so. Uh, but I don't think she'll get a fair shot in Dallas. I mean, she's been there, what, two years already? And she hasn't yeah. really got any significant play time besides, you know, last couple of seconds of the fourth quarter. Um, you know, you mentioned some really good points about Ellis having to grow into what they are now, and um, it's kind of like a wait-and-see approach. I guess my biggest issue with this, um, not not what's your take about wait and see, because that's really what it is, but the fact that they couldn't wait and see with Vicky Johnson on the sidelines. Yeah. Like, you're telling me all these moves can have been made without her? Because think about it, like, take a step back. The team has been pretty mediocre for the last, however, seven, six years since they've been in Dallas. Uh, you have two straight trips to the playoffs and then you host your first playoff game since relocating to Texas. And all that goodwill with the fan base, especially in a city that is colorful as it is, you know, you just decide to just ax it and we're just going to start over. And I'm not saying that she doesn't deserve the shot because she does, but I just wish that they could have stayed with her and see what was there rather than just tossing to the wind in in typical Dallas Wings fashion, you
0: know? Yeah, it's... That post-game interview after they lost to the sky really felt like she had a vision and a plan for the team. And I mean, some of it I think was her presence. Uh, I hadn't interviewed her in person before and she looked me she looked me dead in the eye and was like, here's what we're doing, pretty much. And I was kind of made me a believer after that. So moving on is just I want Dallas to not be the place that everybody kind of shits on like an easy cannon fodder in articles, but they just keep making these moves where they're like that kid in the store that can't decide which bag of chips he wants. And at a certain point, the mom has got to be there to be like, okay, this is what we're getting. And we're about to, we're going to check out. Yep. Like if you don't come with me, I'm leaving. This was me. That kid was me. Uh Just so everybody knows I was the kid. Um, so kind of hits home, but they got to have a they gotta have somebody there to tell them, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're getting. And they've done it now. They, they've locked themselves, like I said, into that Enrique deal, but there's going to be some buyer's remorse, I think, just because of the players that they have, the uncertainty of how it's going to fit together. I mean, Latricia Trammell could be a great coach. She could win coach of the year for sure. This is their first head coaching gig in the W. But we saw what they had with Vicky Johnson and the trajectory they were on. Now that stops, and you have to start from a new point. And we don't know if that point's going to be higher or lower or the same. The so Dallas has put themselves in a position where they pretty much, these moves have to go right. The Diamond move has to go right. The Crystal Dangerfield move has to go right. Tiara McCowan has to be better. She has to be like a 15-10 and 10 type player, I think, for that contract to be justified. And nobody can say for certain whether those are going to pan out
1: yeah especially um Tierra with the whole 15 and 10 um benchmark without a true point guard to execute you know just simple post touches getting her right. the ball uh, it's going to be hard for her because she doesn't really have a game that is transversal to other parts of the floor that's not a, a right around the rim like if you get her the ball that's not within the restricted area good luck you know right and that's not her fault. That's what she's great at. Like, when she has the ball in her hands within that area, she's unstoppable. Either it's a quick two or she's going to the free throw line. And she's gotten better with the free throws um, going in half halfway through the season into the later parts of the season. But um, I feel like her development and the way she's trending, Dallas is kind of like they're pushing her to be something that she's not right now at this moment. And, and that's not her fault. That's Dallas's fault for, you know, not planning correctly.
0: Most definitely. I think if they could surround her with some more shooters rather than maybe one true drive and kick or slasher, then that would be a better team. But I, I don't see it yet. So, yeah, we're both in agreement on that one, C-. minus. Again, I hope the Wings do something this season. I think that they need to get rid of this image of them as a franchise where nobody really wants to go after Liz left, after Skyler left, and now after Alicia Gray pretty much demanded, her, demanded a trade out. They've got those draft picks. They've got a high draft pick in this year's draft, and we're going to come to some more information about this year's draft later on in the show. But again, uncertainty. I'm moving a little bit further north. The Indiana Fever, who I'm much higher on. Uh, they signed, they re signed E for 3Z, uh, more than a feel good deal. Erica Wheeler got the, two, uh, got the max deal for two years, $202,000. Uh, re signed Victoria Vivian's, two years at 136 and a half, pretty much one thirty-five K this year, one thirty-seven next year. Uh, Emma Cannon got a, a one year deal at $80,000. And Maya Caldwell, an interesting wild card type player, got one year $68,000 deal. Uh, they signed, They traded for Christy Wallace from Atlanta, uh, traded away Daniel Robinson, and Tiffany Mitchell in free agency went to the Minnesota Lynx. But one thing we all know is that the Fever, by right of being trash for two years, is the number one pick in this draft, which I was going to say we all expected, but there was a part of me that was just gnawing that somehow Minnesota was going to get that top pick. <laughs> I was going to be screaming. Like somehow Cheryl Reed pulled another rabbit out of the hat. But thank goodness that didn't happen. No, seriously. Um, That would have been crazy. That would have been absolutely bananas if Minnesota got Aaliyah Boston. So the presumptive number one pick, Aaliyah Boston, we would expect to end up in Indiana. And they also have the number seven pick in the draft, which in a draft like this, they could pick up another solid player. So... I'll I'll start off because I I gave it, I threw it to you the first time I gave Indiana an a for this off season. I think they've signed, they've, they have signed they they re signed Victoria Vivians, which I think is good, really good. She's gotten some extended time now. It looks like her, hopefully her injury woes are behind her. And I think she's a solid piece that you can get at that exactly the price that they paid well under the max, but still over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Erica Wheeler, Good to see her back in Indiana where she really made a name for herself, played for them for three years. She was a little up and down. She's not the most consistent, but it's really about, her, you know, putting it together for a full season for her. Uh, Christy Wallace comes at a much cheaper price than Danielle Robinson, even if she's not the same type of player. She's not a, she's not a shooter from outside. She's a decent point guard, but I don't think that she's looking for her to, to be a full-time starter. And Maya Caldwell, there was some interesting information on her uh, from Swish Appeal. She was on a few hardship and, and uh, short-term contracts last year and played nine games for Atlanta. But in her first game, she put up 18 with four assists and two steals. And then she had a 17-point game, a 14-point game, um, had a 10-7-6 game, and shot 56% from... From outside you know that's on 18 field goals 18 three-point is made but she's got some upside so it's interesting I think what Indiana has done is what I would have liked to see a team like Dallas do they have the people that they are they drafted that they're developing Emily Engsler you got Nalissa Smith who if it had not been for Ryan Howard would have been a presumptive rookie of the year You've got Lexi Hull, Queen Egbo, who surprised a lot of people, Destiny Henderson. You're pretty much running with a very young starting five right there, along with Kelsey Mitchell. You can interchange any of those with Victoria Vivians. And those are the those last two are the highest dollar contracts you have on, on the books, other than Erica Wheeler. So Indiana's put themselves in a position where they have known commodities in those veterans, players that they look to be developing very well, And a couple of interesting people that they brought in on training camp contracts and short-term deals like uh, Bernadette Hattar coming back to Indiana, Renia Davis, another solid name, and Kayla Pointer. So I think that Indiana's put themselves in a good position to not just improve on their five and 31 record from last year. I think there's a team that could definitely win like 12, 15 games. If things fall right, not a playoff team yet, but. They're going to make people work for it for sure. They're going to control the boards. I think is the most important thing, and then they put themselves in a position to sign a, uh, if not a max, like a just under the max free agent contract if they want. I don't think they should. You go forth with Elias Boston and whoever you pick up, and the rest of the players you have on this team, and see who, who develops the best most quickly, and then you're going to have some trade and free, uh, free age like salary cap room. But I really like what Indiana did this offseason. I gave them a solid A.
1: So for me personally, um, I really love what Indiana did this offseason. And I think they could possibly have that kind of uh, dream season they had last year where they were in um, 14-22 and almost made the playoffs really closely. Um, But I don't see that a lot of people believe that the dreamer just doomed this season even what's the number on the overall pick, where would they pick uh, where I do hope they pick uh, Leah Boston just for a simple fact that there's been so much hoopla around her time in South Carolina and you know, all the publicity that's been negative. Um, not none of, none of her doing uh, just the way media is. She needs to be number one for just for a simple of that fact. Mm-hmm. But other than that, um, I think Indiana could possibly win 15 games next season. I really like the moves they've made. They got the experience, and they have also—I feel like we don't talk about enough—one of the best offensive rebounders in the game, Emily Inksler, and yes. offensive rebounder percentage-wise. Uh, She—I <laughs> don't know how she does it, but she just always seems to be in the right place at the right time. And Indiana has the pieces, man. They have the pieces to be a really good team next season. I could see, yeah, like I said, I could see them winning 14 to 15 games. That's seriously.
0: I like it. Uh, I want to see what Christy Sides does as, as a head coach, uh, but they they moved on. They they really started building before this year, and that they I think they accepted finally when they when they removed Tamika Catchings from her GM role. I think they accepted that a rebuild was necessary, and then committed to that when they went into the draft and got Emily Engsler yep. and Destiny Henderson and Queen Egbo. And then moved on from Lynn Dunn and and or sorry moved on from Marianne Stanley as well. I think that was important. So they hired a new head coach. They installed Lynn Dunn as the GM, and and she's started things off incredibly well. Do you think is there is there anything that they missed out on that they could have done more of? Um, I know letting go Tiffany Mitchell is kind of a a sore spot, especially since you didn't get anything back for her since she walked in free agency. Is there any place that you thought that they that they missed out? Um,
1: Honestly, if they missed out anywhere, I would say it's last year and the amount of time they gave Destiny Henderson um, at the point guard position. Because if you do go with her this year, now that um, Tiffany Mitchell is in Minnesota, um, no, it's still going to be a growing process because she didn't really play that much last season, uh, minutes-wise and games just in general. So I do think that um, that's going to be a part that you know, kind of bites them in the behind um, because you're expecting too much in the second season. But they do draft the Leah Boston. I believe she still has that chemistry um, with her, and that will be vital. <laughs> also seeing what Chrissy Sides, you know, does with her because every team needs a starting point guard. And going to see where, where they go in that direction, Kelsey coming back healthy, um, they've got a lot of good problems on their hands. It just uh, depends on how they go with those um, problems, you know?
0: For sure. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. It's like they've got good problems. It's how do you solve those good problems? Yeah, I think that's going to be the next thing because they're going to have a glut of talent, especially in the front court, like you said. How do you manage it well? You still got young players, so you have to manage their time well and make sure that they're getting fed accordingly. Because I think the only thing that could legitimately slow this team down is any kind of dissension. Now, you've got young players, but you also have a young head coach. So who's going to who's going to be the direction on the team? Is it going to be Erica Wheeler, or is it going to be one of those young players like Emily Yangsler, who we've seen is is fairly mature for her age. Who's going to be the one taking lead? I think is the the question for me. And that's something that they can they can determine this year but i i want to see how that shakes out but hey man look at that no no dissension between us we both gave both teams the same grade (laughs) that's much right (laughs) james and i did i think we disagreed on and we disagreed on connecticut i think that's where we where we went out just just to go back just for fun um really quick those two teams atlanta and connecticut where'd you have where'd you grade them in the off season
1: um Honestly, I really do believe that Atlanta could um You know it sounds crazy when I say it out loud, but I really do think Atlanta could possibly contend for a championship next season. What? Yes, well, listen. hold on. That Ryan Howard combo with Alicia. And then you also forget Cheyenne Parker's already there. They have Daniel Robinson coming from Indiana. Like they have the experience. And I think that's really what they missed last season. The experience in somebody to take the ball out of Ryan's hands. And seeing her on the wing, be able to come off a screen and really maximize her potential as an offensive player, and just an overall really good player. I mean, I don't think there's really anything that she does not well. <laughs> um, so adding a player like that to a team that almost made the again once again they almost made the playoffs last season, despite I know honestly being one of the worst offensive teams in the league. That's worthy. That's worthy of note. And with the, like I said, with an addition like that. With a team that's already as talented as it is, you have an established post. They could contend. For, they could contend for a championship next.
0: Oh, man! Uh, I okay. Let me. I'll, let me, I'll say this. I. I can see where you're coming from. I have a few favorite hats of mine that I would like, jump in the river with the Chicago River with if they get to the WNBA Finals. I. Oh, I don't know. I think. I don't think the Ryan Howard hype is overblown by any means. I think that people, I think there's a tendency in the W to crown, look to crown those players early. I saw that happen with Diamond in Chicago. And Ryan Howard's really fucking good. She's shown more than I think Diamond did in her first season. I don't think she's like MVP level yet. And I really think that Atlanta needs her to be an MVP for them to be championship contenders. They have pieces for sure, but I... Ooh, I would be surprised to see that. But Listen, at least I know it's not just <laughs> – is, is, you're not the only one.
1: You know, that's the crazy part, man, because I, I think I tweeted this a while ago, and everybody was like, well, oh, no, that's not crazy. I was like, you don't think so? But when I say it, I do. I feel crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it's just because it's early and they just missed out on the playoffs. Now, this is this is an important point. We are talking about a team – that is not like Atlanta or there's not like Indiana, not like Dallas. They just barely missed out on a playoff spot and they were tied for that last one. So if a couple of things had gone right, if they had beaten New York, then they would have been in the playoffs. So for sure, there's something that they can definitely build on. But when the sky played Atlanta last year, and as good as the sky were in the regular season, they just didn't quite, I don't know if one off season and a decent season is going to put them into that upper echelon of championship contending teams, especially given what happened with Las Vegas and New York. Yeah, you know, when you put it like that, it's definitely some cold
1: water, you know. <laughs> but, you know, see, I, I love the New York additions, but I'm just not so old. I'm, I'm not. One, that backcourt is going to get eaten alive on defense. <laughs> you're, you're expecting, listen, Former Sky GOAT, the GOAT point guard, Vanna Sloot, she, as she is, she was getting cooked last year in the playoffs. we got to keep the buck. She was. Okay. She was getting, That first step was not good for us. So you add that in the starting backcourt with Sabrina Ionescu, who can barely move her feet herself on offense or on defense. I'm just wondering where's the defense coming from? Because you're expecting a lot from John Cole Jones and Brianna Stewart to just be these great, um, you know, run defenders every single game. And that's your main defense.
0: Yeah, that's true. But I think that's why they got those players, like you said, to be able to make up for whatever they lack in the backcourt. I, that's something that you can afford to do, right? If you have a backcourt that might not be the best defenders, or if you like to play pressure defense in this, in this case, it's the former you have those people behind you to clean up, so if they want to run some weird schemes where they can gamble or play kind of a soft coverage or drop coverage, it's something they can afford to do now i'm not I'm not sold on super teams until they win the championship because that's pretty much what they're built for so i I agree with what you're saying, but i I'm not as low on New York as that, yeah. Uh, No, does it it sound like I'm low on them? Does it lowish? I'll say lowish. I think it's hard because moves like that carry so much weight and so much attention and coverage that anybody who's not just like, damn, they're gonna they're gonna smoke so many people sounds like it's low. Yeah, I think that's the only thing.
1: (laughs) I get it. Um, I guess really my biggest questions is the defense, the backcourt defense. And are you relying too heavily on Benai Laney to defend the wing? I guess my, that's my really big question because Kayla Thornton is an interior defender and she's really good at what she does. But I, I just don't want her as a three-point line guarding these wings of today's game. Like that, That's not her position. You know, that's playing her out of position. I, I, now, as far as everybody else on the team, I'm going on the roster right now and they, they need a dog, man. They they don't have one. They need someone to do all the hard, dirty work up there. And I, I don't know. Caleb Thornton did it last year for Dallas, but I don't know how they're
0: gonna work that in with the New York system. All right, man. Well, we might have to. We might have to bring you on for the the, the New York free agency <laughs> show. <laughs> yes, yes. I think it's gonna be an interesting. Um, it's gonna be an interesting comparison between. What, what you're thinking and then what James and I are thinking for sure. Mm. Um, really quick, your, last, your grades on Connecticut, who we were both very low on for yeah. certain. I don't think they're going to be terrible. Like, I really
1: don't think they're going to be bad. Even without John Cole Jones, even though last year it looks like it wasn't really her team at certain points of the season, as if it was really you know, they're just waiting to see what happens with her future while she was there to kind of pass the torch on to, um, excuse me, Brianna Jones. And, you know, she's there now. So I think they're going to build around her. And I mean, they got Ty Harris, who was a really, really good point guard. I just wish he would have had the time to prove that in Dallas to people. Um, yeah. I, I don't think they're going to be bad. And they have Rebecca Allen and, you know, she is a fire starter at the guard. Yeah. Slot, so, like they they, they could be really good. I think I I can see them being a couple games with over five hundred. I don't think they'll be bad. There are a lot of other worse teams uh, roster wise in the Connecticut, so I can tell you
0: that much. Well, Connecticut fans, you've heard it here. Um, if you need somebody to rock with you, unlike me, then this is your guy. Chris Kristen Braswell for sure. And I'm I'm only saying that because Anybody who listens to the podcast knows how badly I roasted the sun <laughs> on our last episode. And maybe it wasn't fair. Maybe it wasn't fair. We'll see. I listened to it. It, it, it gave me a couple chuckles in the drive. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> Very quick, folks. Thank you for tuning into the Skyhook podcast. We want to remind you to check out our sponsor, Bet Stamp, as the March madness continues and as the WNBA season approaches you got some money burning a hole in your pocket, hopefully from a bonus, some Christmas money, those bonds that finally matured. And you might want to put some of that action down on who you think is going to win the national title, you know, if it's not South Carolina or well, you know, if you have, say if you want to put one on Iowa, if you think Iowa can surprise some people, if you think Miami can win and make the final four tomorrow, but you're not exactly sure where and how to make that bet, bet stamp is your answer. Simply open the app, you will see lines and odds from all of the major North American sports books and Betstamp will show you the best place to make your bets for the val- for value. If you see a one, minus one 120 line means $120 pays you 100 on one book, say FanDuel, but if you go to points bet, you might be able to get that same bet for 105 to $100. And Betstamp will show you that information You can also follow your friends at the Skyhook pod to see how our bets have worked out and other famous bettors in the Betstamp app, in the Betstamp app track their progress and follow their lines and their advice. So I don't know what you're waiting for because I've already got it. Download Betstamp today and use the code the Skyhook pod when you do. Again, that promo code is the Skyhook pod on Betstamp and we appreciate them for sponsoring this episode. Good segue to move into some tournament talk is the NCAA tournament is heading into the second best weekend. I think uh, the, probably the third best weekend, actually, because the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight are exciting. But those final four and championship matchups and then the first weekend where it's just so many games, so many teams playing and and just possible craziness. Those are my favorite weekends, especially the first one. And we've seen a lot of surprises from the tournament this year uh, from Miami getting uh to the elite eight for the first time in their school's history i had i had no idea that miami women's basketball had not made it that far ever um to iowa really proving that they belong and ucla uh, making a really good run as well so now for the players whose stock has risen the most uh there's we've seen a lot of good basketball we talked about zaya cook um you know camila cardozo with UConn, a lot of people. A UConn, any UConn fan out there will, will not just tell you about uh, Nico Mule and Dorka Juhasz, but Lou Lopez-Seneschal. But I really like what Charisma Osborne at UCLA has done. Uh, she had a midseason injury that limited her for a few weeks, but she has, it, it's only been two games, so but she's improved on her season averages in the two games of the tournament by a large margin, um, shooting 48% overall from the field, and forty two percent from three, and that's with nearly four attempts per game, she's played like a lottery pick. I don't know if she'll be a lottery pick, but she's certainly played like one uh and I think as well as H- Haley Van Lith has done for Louisville, I think charisma Osborne's stock has shot up the boards
1: yeah i couldn't I couldn't agree more. As far as a player that I believe that stock has risen, Jordan Horson in Tennessee. You know, Um, this entire season, there's been a lot of ups and downs um, for Tennessee in general. But through the last, I don't know, last 15 ish games of the regular season, they kind of really put it all together. And that's kind of been their calling card, the continuity they've had since then. And Jordan Horson, I know it's been the Rekia show for the most of the season but she's really came into her own and, you know, she's going to be a, a high draft pick if she doesn't okay. come back. Um, she's a senior this year. So we're going to see what goes on with that. But yeah, the way she plays basketball is the way that the league is going right now. you oh, got okay. a player a six, one, six, two that's a guard. And you know, that used to be forward center heights. Now right. that's, that's a guard height. Now she could play three different positions. She can guard the fours. She can guard some fives. Um, she's going to be a really valuable addition to some W team next season or season after next, depending on where she goes back. But uh, yeah, Jordan Horson is, she's dynamite.
0: For sure. That's a good point. Like, like we said earlier, those, the skill level, just like you see in basketball, the taller players can ball handle They're learning to play those guard positions at an early age. And as the growth spurt takes over, uh, you see in the women's game, I think just players in general are just getting taller by average and then those taller players that would be front natural front court players or are still natural front court players can handle the ball, bring the ball up the floor, shoot from outside, uh, distribute. Yeah, you're exactly right. So definitely a player to keep an eye on, Jordan Horston, in the near future. We'll close it out with some, a bit of some less good basketball news in, in the college ranks. Uh, I know most of you probably will have seen the clip from the women's NIT game at the end of Memphis and Bowling Green States contest where um, a player was punched in the, in the handshake line. There was an incident, I guess, during the game uh, with one of the players from Memphis. And I, I know the names have been used cause they're, they're technically over the age of, of juveniles, but I don't really want to use names here. Uh, so a Memphis player punched a Bowling Green player who then fell to the ground and then their teammates got her out of there. Don't have any information on the, on the Bowling Green player, but the Memphis player was charged with assault by the campus police. Now I know we, we discussed this in the pre-show and it struck me as odd just because I don't remember the last time I've seen something like that happen. One in a basketball game and two in a college basketball game. I think were there charges filed in that Michigan and Wisconsin dust up between Juwan Howard and Greg Gard? I I don't know if there were I know there was apolo- a- right, I know there was apologies and fines, but I don't know if anybody got charged with a crime, and that's the thing as bad as this was, and as much as as I as a coach or person or talking head would have told that player, hey, you cannot possibly think that that's a good idea, no matter how upset you are, charging her with assault seems like absolute overkill,
1: yeah, I don't like it at all for the simple fact that. These things happen All the time Whether it be men's college basketball uh, Whether it be the NBA Or just any type of basketball league that's televised. We champion adversity of this nature Yet When it's in the women's game Whether it be the WBA Or uh, women's college basketball These things are frowned upon It's uh, sportswoman-like you, These just aren't the way the game's played All these type of These tired uh, rhetorics And you know I'm really tired of it I'm not saying that what happened is okay Because it's not That's just something you should punch anybody in a handshake line But at the same time We have to understand that We won we weren't there We don't know what was said And sometimes these handshake locks can get pretty feisty So honestly Hey If I see someone trying to punch me I'm, I'm not just going to let them punch me Me personally I'm just, I'm just not going to stand there and just wait,
0: wait for it to land. No, you're right. And it's, it's something that I've only been a part of maybe once or twice in my life. I will fully admit that. I have never been a top-level athlete. So I don't have the, necessarily the same experience. But I think in turn, like, I, I agree with your point. We, we champion this attitude in sports. We champion that comp- competition, that feistiness, that fierceness. And it's something that I've talked about on the podcast in previous times when I get upset about the quick calls on jump balls in college and in professionals. Like, let them fight. Let them fight it out for at least a few seconds before you just call a hell ball. It's like we don't want, It's it, I think there's just some sexism at, at work with stuff like this. Now, granted, anybody who's been to college knows the campus police, are typically on BS, especially when it comes to black and brown people. So this isn't that far out of the ordinary. Like, it, it, I think it's annoying, but not unexpected. Because I can only assume that Bowling Green campus police also don't have a lot of shit to do other than make people's, other than make students' lives a little more difficult. I definitely wish that they wouldn't, but I'm not surprised, like I said. It still doesn't make it right. That's what annoys me. That's, that's what annoys me. I just, I really hope that this doesn't affect her future because it has the ramifications to, because now she's in a court case that hopefully doesn't go to trial, but her name is in the system now. And that is, that's where it goes out of bounds for me.
1: I couldn't agree more. Also the fact that this is Ohio, the state of Ohio, I think we need to remember that. That's where Bowling Green State University is. It's Bowling Green, Ohio. There's another Bowling Green state that I believe that's in Kentucky, but this one in particular is in Ohio. So when you think about this scenario, I just need you to keep that in mind. (laughs) This is the state of Ohio. Okay. Like, it, it feels racially motivated. Like, that's what it feels like you're filing charges you really don't have anything else better to do there's no one drunk driving on campus there's no one puking in a hallway <laughs> or something for you to go do you can't write a parking ticket for some busy family like you don't have anything else worse to do <laughs> like come on man I just and the fact that this keeps getting circulated the amount of times i've seen this on my timeline the fact that this
0: happened when did this happen exactly three days ago four days ago yeah uh, i think it was i think it was three days ago if not two yeah, like,
1: it's been over 48 hours. I know, at least 72 hours since this has happened. And I just keep seeing it on my timeline. Like, what what is this to you guys? Is this cool? Is this funny? Like, I don't think it's either of those two things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's not. That's a good point. So it's like, I know it's something that we're talking about and we have to talk about because the ramifications, like we said, are very important, but it shouldn't have happened in the first place. I think that's what's really... Really bad. It just should not great. have happened in the first place. And now we're here. Well, that will bring us to the end of our show. Uh, once again, I'd like to thank the man, Kristen Braswell, Texas Power Ranger. That's the best I could come up with. It's not that great. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Texas Power Ranger. I like it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen, man, let us know what you got cooking in the pipeline as we get towards um, WNBA season, NBA playoffs. Springtime in general. What you got going on? Uh yes, sir. So um
1: Madhouse on Madison dot com. We will be uh me and my boy Steven, we co host the uh Madhouse and Madison podcast. We will also be writing and uh creating Chicago Sky content um for Madhouse from Madison this season as well. Um and I also will be creating Dallas Wings content for uh, the Wings bulletin. Um Landon Thomas covers um, the Wings and the Mavericks here in Dallas, and I'll be joining their staff um, this upcoming season.
0: Excellent, man. That's really, really cool. Again, follow the man, Kristen Braswell, at Snacks for Tweets. That's Snacks, the number four, and Tweets on Twitter. You can follow Madhouse on Madison at M-H on Madison. And the man, Steven Gardner, another friend of the podcast, is Stay True S. three. That's going to do it for the Skyhook podcast. As always, if you have anything to say, comment, or roast on us, shoot us an email at the Skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. That's the Skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. James K will be back with us very soon. But in the meantime, send him your well wishes and video game recommendations and things that you would like to see him do on Mars at James underscore M underscore K A Y. And I am at Quandary Kitten. That's K W A N D A R Y kitten. On Twitter. Until next time, Skytown. Until next time, WNBA Universe. Until next time, be good and do great things.